You are listening to IU Radio live at 89.9 in the Owens Valley and on the internet at iuradio.org. This is a Metabolic Studio production. IU Theatre broadcasts monthly from the Owens Lake Begone at the historical Double L Saloon on Main Street in Lone Point, California. For over 100 years now, Owens Valley has been tapped to make the city of Los Angeles possible. From LA to Owens Valley, we know we owe you. As an act of reconciliation from Los Angeles, since 2009, the IOU series on DWP land has featured the IOU Garden and Farmer's Market, the Metabolic Soil Project, Owens Dry Lake Bread, 100 Conversations About Water, the IOU Bank of Trust in Time, the IOU Pupfish Newsletter, IOU Espresso, and now IOU Radio. Tonight, we present War of the Worlds, featuring the talents of... Jim Shawcross, playing the roles of news reporter Phillips, the officer, operator two, operator five, and the stranger. And Max Roseanne playing the roles of Orson Welles, Professor Pearson, and the commander. Mary Winchester playing the roles of announcer three, Miss Wilmoth, radio station manager Harriet McDonald, secretary of Homeland Security, and operator one. Jeannie Smith playing the roles of announcer two, Captain Lansing, the observer, operator three, and LA announcer. Judith Greenborough playing the roles of announcer one, the policeman, Vice Admiral Smith, the gunner, and operator four. John Klusmeyer playing the role of the Lone Pine Radio Station studio announcer. And Donnie Lana, the Metabolic Studio Sonic Division, is providing our sound effects. Radio Broadcasting System and its affiliated station present the IU Theatre on air in a radio play by Howard Koch, adapted by John Klusmeyer, based on the H.G. Wells novel, The War of the Worlds. Ladies and gentlemen, the star of these broadcasts, Orson Welles. We know now that in the early years of the 21st century, this world was being watched closely by intelligences greater than man's and yet as mortal as his own. We know now that as human beings busied themselves about their various concerns, they were scrutinized and studied, perhaps almost as narrowly as a man with a microscope might scrutinize the transient creatures that swarm and multiply in a drop of water. With infinite complacence, people went to and fro over the earth about their little affairs, serene in the assurance of their dominion over this small spinning fragment of solar driftwood, which by chance or design man has inherited out of the dark mystery of time and space. Yet across an immense ethereal gulf, minds that to our minds are as ours are to the beasts in the jungle, intellects vast, cool, and unsympathetic regarded this earth with envious eyes and slowly and surely drew their plans against us. In the 15th year of the 21st century came the great disillusionment. The holiday season had just started. Business was better. Several international scares were winding down. More people were back at work. Sales were picking up. 
On this particular evening, December 13th, the Arbitron Reading Service estimated that 13 million people were listening in on radios. For the next 24 hours, not much change in temperature. A slight atmospheric disturbance of undetermined origin is reported over the California coast, causing a high-pressure system to settle in over LA, bringing a forecast of strong winds, sunny skies and warm temperatures, with a high of a 76 and a low of 55. Sorry folks, looks like there will be still no relief from the ongoing drought in sight. This weather report comes to, from you from the Government Weather Bureau. We now take you back to IOU Radio. Well, I woke up Sunday morning with no way to hold my head. That didn't hurt. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Love Em and Leave Em Hour, where we play all the heartbreakers live just for you. Now, remember to call in your favorite requests. Sad and sappy ones get on top, so we'll try to get them on the air while we're broadcasting here live and in person from the historic Double L Saloon in Lone Pine, California. So while we're waiting for your calls this evening, let's go back to Sunday morning coming down. To meet the day. I'd smoke my mind the night before with cigarettes and songs I'd been picking. Ladies and gentlemen, we interrupt our music to bring you a special bulletin from CNN News. At 7.45 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, Professor Farrell of the Griffith Park Observatory in Los Angeles reports observing several explosions of incandescent gas occurring at regular intervals on the planet Mars. The spectroscope indicates the gas to be hydrogen and moving towards the Earth with enormous velocity. Our local deep space expert, Professor Pearson of the Caltech Owens Valley Radio Observatory outside of Big Pine confirms Farrell's observation and describes the phenomenon as, quote, like a jet of blue flame shot from a gun, unquote. We now return you to our regular program. There's something in a Sunday that makes the body feel alone. They gotta love those hangover songs, right? So. Let's shift gears a little bit and ponder the road to that hangover with Honky Tonk Man. And since we're broadcasting from a bar room, we'll follow that one up with whiskey for my men and beer for my horses. Ladies and gentlemen, Following on the news given in our bulletin a moment ago, the Government Meteorological Bureau has requested the large observatories of the country to keep an astronomical watch on any further disturbances occurring on the planet Mars. Due to the unusual nature of this occurrence, we have arranged an interview with noted local astrophysicist Professor Pearson, who will give us his views on the event. In a few moments, we will take you to the Owens Valley Radio Observatory outside of Big Pine. Until then, we return you to more music. Ladies 
We are now ready to take you to the Caltech Owens Valley Radio Observatory, where Carl Phillips, our commentator, will interview Professor Richard Pearson, famous astrophysicist. We take you now to Big Pine. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This is Carl Phillips speaking to you from Building 12, which is the control room at the Owens Valley Radio Observatory. I am standing in a large semi-circular room, pitch black except for glowing computer screens that record in real time the findings of the observatory's interstellar radio telescopes. Professor Pearson stands directly beside me, peering into the computer screens. I ask you to be patient, ladies and gentlemen, during any delay that may arise during our interview. Besides his ceaseless watch of the heavens, Professor Pearson might be interrupted by telephone, text messages, or other communications. During this period, he is in constant contact with the astronomical centers of the world. Uh, professor, may I begin our questions? At any time, Mr. Phillips. Uh, professor, could you please explain how a radio observatory works? Well, I'd be happy to, Mr. Phillips. The basic uh, theory is that we have a number of parabolic uh, radio antennas around the compound receiving radio frequency signals from outer space and the parabolic antennas feed this signal into the compound here where we observe the waveforms on our, uh, on our computer screens. And Professor, would you please tell our radio audience exactly what you are observing on the planet Mars? Well, nothing unusual at the moment, Mr. Phillips. Uh, red disc swimming in a blue sea, transverse stripes across the disc. Quite distinct now because Mars happens to be at the point nearest Earth, uh, in opposition, as we call it. Well, in, in your opinion, what do these transverse stripes signify, Professor Pierce? <laughs> Not irrigation canals or aqueducts, I can assure you, Mr. Phillips, although that's a popular conjecture of those who imagine Mars to be inhabited. From a scientific viewpoint, the stripes are merely the result of atmospheric conditions peculiar to the planet. Then you're quite convinced, as a scientist, that living intelligence, as we know it, does not exist on Mars? Well, I'd say the chances against it are a thousand to one. And yet, how do you account for those gas eruptions occurring on the surface of the planet at regular intervals? Well, Mr. Phillips, I, I cannot account for it. By the way, Professor, for the benefit of our listeners, how far is Mars from Earth? Approximately 40 million miles. <laughs> well, that seems a safe enough distance. Thank you. Just a moment. Ladies and gentlemen, someone has just handed Professor Pearson an email. While he reads it, let me remind you that we are speaking to you from the Owens Valley Radio Observatory where we are interviewing the world-famous astrophysicist, Professor Pearson. Oh, one moment, please. Professor Pearson has passed me an email, which he has just received. Professor, may I read the email to the listening audience? Certainly, Mr. Phillips. Ladies and gentlemen, I shall read you an emergency alert addressed to Professor Pearson from Dr. Lucy Adams of the California Office of the United States Geological Survey. 8.45 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Seismograph registered shock of almost earthquake intensity occurring within a radius of 10 miles of Independence, California. Please investigate. Uh, Professor Pearson, 
Could this occurrence possibly have something to do with the disturbances observed on the planet Mars? <laughs> Hardly, Mr. Phillips. This is probably a meteorite of unusual size, and its arrival at this particular time is, is merely a coincidence. However, we shall conduct a search as soon as daylight permits. Thank you, Professor. Ladies and gentlemen, we've been speaking to you from the Olms Valley Radio Observatory outside of Big Pine, bringing you a special interview with Professor Pearson, noted astrophysicist. This is Carl Phillips speaking. We are now returning you to the Lone Pine Studio. We'll raise up our glasses against evil forces singing whiskey for my man, beer for my horses. Ladies and gentlemen, here is the latest bulletin from CNN News Toronto, Canada. Professor Morse of McGill University reports observing a total of three explosions on the planet Mars between the hours of 7.30 and 8 o'clock p.m. Pacific Standard Time. This confirms earlier reports received from American observatories. Now, nearer home comes a breaking news alert posted on the Los Angeles Times website. It is reported that at 8.45 p.m. a huge flaming object, believed to be a meteorite, fell on a ranch in the neighborhood of Manzanar National Historic Site on Highway 395. That's between Independence and Lone Pine, California. That sounds like they're up there in Area 51. The flash in the sky was visible within a radius of several hundred miles, and the noise of the impact was heard as far north as Bishop. We have dispatched a special mobile unit to the scene and we'll have our commentator, Carl Phillips, give you a description as soon as he can reach there from Big Pine. In the meantime, we take you back to the sounds of IOU Radio. Take you now to the Owens Valley. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Carl Phillips again, calling in an urgent news bulletin while traveling from Big Pine toward the unknown object that has apparently fallen out of the sky onto an empty pasture leased by the Kemp Ranch halfway between Lone Pine and Independence. Homeland Security confirmed via an emergency broadcast system text message that Based on initial law enforcement assessments, the explosion felt this evening was not, I repeat, was not an act of terrorism aimed at the Los Angeles Aqueduct or Manzanar National Historic Site. Professor Pearson and myself are nearing the dramatic scene of what initially has been called a meteor strike, having made the drive from Big Pine. We are pulling up on the scene Located a few miles south of the Manzanar Historical Site on Highway 395, just below the Alabama Gates, which are part of the Los Angeles Aqueduct System. Well, I, I, I hardly know where to begin. To paint for you a word picture of the strange scene before my eyes, like something out of a modern Arabian night. Well, I just got here. I haven't had a chance to look around yet. There, I guess that's it. Yes, I guess that's the, the thing. Directly in front of me, half buried in a vast pit. 
It must have struck with terrific force. The ground is covered with splinters of a tree it must have struck on its way down. What I can see, I see of the object itself doesn't look very much like a meteor, at least not the meteors I've seen. It looks more like a huge cylinder. It has a diameter of, uh, what would you say, uh, Professor Pearson? What's that? Uh, what would you say, what is the diameter? Uh, about 30 yards. About 30 yards. The metal on the sheath is, well, I've never seen anything like it. The color is sort of yellowish-white. Curious spectators have left their cars on Highway 395 and are now pressing close to the object in spite of the efforts of the California High Patrol to keep them back. They're getting in front of my line of vision, taking photos with their cell phones and no doubt posting or texting images of this fantastic scene to friends and family. Excuse me, excuse me, would you mind standing to one side, please? One side there, one side. While the CHP officers are pushing the crowd back, here's Miss Wilma, who posted some of the first photos of the crash landing. She may have some interesting facts to add. Uh, Miss Wilma, would you please tell the radio audience as much as you remember of this rather unusual visitor that dropped in so close to the highway? Step closer, please. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Miss Wilma. Well, I pulled off the highway to text my husband and was listening to the radio. Closer, closer and louder, please. Pardon me? Louder, please, and closer. Yes, sir. I was listening to the radio and kind of drowsy. That professor fellow was talking about Mars. So I was half dozed. Yes, 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 Miss Wilmoth. And then what happened? As I was saying, I was listening to the radio kind of halfway. Yes, Miss Wilmoth. And then you saw something? Not first off, I heard something. And what did you hear? A hissing sound like this. Kind of like a 4th of July rock. Yes, and then what? Turned my head out the window and would have swore I was asleep and dreaming. Then what? I seen a kind of greenish streak and then zing Something smacked the ground, rattled the window and shook me while I was in my seat. So lucky I still had my seatbelt on. Well, were you frightened, Miss Wilmoth? Well, uh, I ain't quite sure. I reckon I, I was kind of wrong. Thank you, Miss Wilmoth. Thank you. You want me to tell you? No, something? no, no, no. That's quite all right. That's plenty. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, you've just heard Miss Wilmoth, one of the first eyewitnesses on the scene where this thing has fallen. I wish I could convey the atmosphere, the background of this fantastic scene. Hundreds of cars are parked along Highway 395 and on nearby dirt roads. Police are trying to rope off the roadway leading to the crash site, but it's no use. They're breaking right through. Cars' headlights throw an enormous spot on the pit where the object's half buried. Some of the more daring souls are now venturing near the edge with cameras and cell phones to take photos of this extraordinary sight. Their silhouettes stand out against the metal sheen. One man wants to touch the thing. He's having an argument with a CHP officer. The officer wins. 
Now, ladies and gentlemen, there's something I haven't mentioned in all this excitement, but now it's becoming more distinct. Perhaps you've caught it already on your radio. Listen. Do you hear it? It's a curious humming sound that seems to come from inside the object. I'll move the microphone nearer. Now we're not more than 25 feet away. Can you hear it now? Oh, Professor Pearson. Uh, yes, Mr. Phillips. Can you tell us the meaning of that, that scraping noise inside the thing? Um, possibly the unequal cooling of its surface. I see. Do you still think it's a meteor, Professor? I don't know what to think. The metal casing is definitely uh, extraterrestrial, uh, not found on this Earth. Friction with the Earth's atmosphere usually tears holes in a meteorite. This thing is smooth and, as you can see, of cylindrical shape. Just a minute. Something's happening. Ladies and gentlemen, this is amazing. This end of the thing is beginning to flake off. The top is beginning to rotate like a screw. The thing must be hollow. She's moving. Look, the darn thing's unscrewing. Keep back there. Keep back, I tell you. Maybe there's men in it trying to escape. It's red hot. They'll burn to a cinder. Keep back there. Keep those idiots back. She's off. The top's loose. Look out there. Stand back. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the most terrifying thing I've ever witnessed. Wait a minute. Someone's crawling out of the hollow top. Someone or something. I can see peering out of that black hole to luminous disk. Are they eyes? It might be a face. It might be... <gasps> Good heavens. Something's wriggling out of the shadow like a gray snake. Now it's another one and another. They look like tentacles to me. There, I can see the thing's body. It's large, large as a bear, and it glistens like wet leather. But that face, it, ladies and gentlemen, it's indescribable. I could hardly force myself to keep looking at it. The eyes are black and gleam like a serpent. The mouth is V-shaped with saliva dripping from its rimless lips that seem to quiver and pulsate. The monster, Whatever it is can hardly move. It seems weighed down by possibly gravity or something. The thing's rising up. The crowd falls back now. They've seen plenty. This is a most extraordinary experience. I can't find words. Uh, I'll pull this microphone with me as I talk. I'll have to stop the description until I can get a new position. Hold on, will you please? I'll be right back in a minute. We are bringing you an eyewitness account of what is happening alongside Highway 395 at the Alabama Gates in Owens Valley. Now over to Carl Phillips at the Alabama Gates. Ladies and gentlemen, am I on? Ladies and gentlemen, here I am on the highway ground between highway lanes. From here I get a sweep of the whole scene. I'll give you every detail as long as I can talk, as long as I can see. 
More California Highway Patrol cars and officers have arrived. They're drawn up a cordon in front of the pit, about 30 of them. No need to push the crowd back now. They're willing to keep their distance. The captain is conferring with someone. We can't quite see who. Oh yes, I believe it's Professor Pearson. Yes, it is. Now they parted. The professor moves around one side, studying the object, while the captain and two policemen advance with something in their hands. I can see it now. It's a white handkerchief tied to a pole. A flag of truce? If those creatures know what that means, what anything means. Wait, something's happening. A humped shape is rising out of the pit. I can make out a small beam of light against the mirror. What's that? There's a jet of flame springing from the mirror and it leaps right at the advancing men. It strikes them head on. Good Lord, they're turning into flame. Um, ladies and gentlemen, due to circumstances beyond our control, we are unable to continue the broadcast from the Alabama gates. Evidently, there is some difficulty with our field transmission. However, we'll return to that point at the earliest opportunity. In the meantime, we just saw a Twitter feed from San Diego, California. Professor Eidelkoffer, speaking at a dinner of the California Astronomical Society, expressed the opinion that the explosions on Mars are undoubtedly nothing more than severe volcanic disturbances on the surface of the planet. <laughs> well, now back to our musical programming. Somebody blew up a building, somebody stole a car, somebody got away, somebody didn't get too far, yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, I have just been alerted to a post on the Inyo County Sheriff's Department Facebook page. The message is from the California Highway Patrol. Um, at least 40 people, including six state troopers, lie dead in a field along the highway at the Alabama gates, approximately halfway between Lone Pine and Independence, California. Their bodies burn and distorted beyond all possible recognition. The next voice you hear will be that of Vice Admiral Montgomery Smith, Commander of the China Lake Naval Weapons Station. <coughs> I have been requested by California Governor Jerry Brown to place Inyo County under martial law. No one will be permitted to leave this or enter this area except by special pass issued by the state or military authorities. Four companies of the U.S. Marines are proceeding from China Lake and Camp Pendleton and will aid in the evacuation of homes within the range of military operations. Thank you. You have just been listening to Vice Admiral Montgomery Smith, commander of the China Lake Naval Weapons Station. In the meantime, further details of the catastrophe at the Alabama gates are coming in. The strange creatures, after unleashing their deadly assault, 
crawled back into their pit and made no attempt to prevent the efforts of the firemen to recover the bodies and extinguish the fire. Combined fire departments from Lone Pine, Cal Fire, and Independence are fighting the flames, which menace the entire countryside. We have been unable to establish any contact with our mobile unit at Alabama Gates, but we hope to be able to return you there at the earliest possible moment. In the meantime, we, we take it, ju uh, just one moment, please. Ladies and gentlemen, I have just been informed that we have finally established communication with an eyewitness of the tragedy. Professor Pearson has been located at the Alabama Gates Gatehouse where he has established an emergency observation post. As a scientist, he will give you his explanation of the calamity. The next voice you will hear will be that of Professor Pearson. Professor Pearson? Of the creatures in the rocket cylinder at the Alabama gates, I can give you no authoritative information, either as to their nature, their origin, or their purposes here on Earth. Of their destructive instrument, I might venture some conjectural explanation. For want of a better term, I shall refer to the mysterious weapon as a heat ray. It's all too evident that these creatures have scientific knowledge far in advance of our own. It is my guess that in some way they are able to generate an intense heat in a chamber of practically absolute non-conductivity. This intense heat they project in a parallel beam against any object they choose by means of a polished parabolic mirror of unknown composition, uh, much as the mirror of a lighthouse projects a beam of light. And uh, that is my conjecture on the origin of the heat ray. Thank you, Professor Pearson. Ladies and gentlemen, here is a text message from the local hospital. It, it is a brief statement informing us that the charred body of Carl Phillips, our colleague, has been identified by doctors at Southern and New Hospital. Now, now here's another update from Washington, D.C. The office of the director of the National Red Cross reports 10 units of Red Cross emergency workers have been assigned to the military headquarters outside the Alabama gates. Here's a bulletin posted on the CAL FIRE website. The fires at the Alabama gates and vicinity are now under control. Scouts report all quiet in the pit and, and no sign of life appearing from the mouth of the cylinder. And now, ladies and gentlemen, we have a special statement from Ms. Harriet McDonald, Vice President in charge of radio operations. We have received a request from the military at Alabama Gates to place at their disposal our entire broadcasting facility. In view of the gravity of the situation and believing that radio has a responsibility to serve in the public interest at all times, we are turning over our facilities to the military officials at the Alabama Gates. We take you now to the field headquarters of the military force in place at the Alabama Gates Owens Valley, California. This is Captain Lanson of the Signal Corps, attached to the Marine Detachment now engaged in military operations in the vicinity of Alabama Gates. 
situation arising from the reported presence of certain individuals of unidentified nature is now under complete control. The cylindrical object which lies in a pit directly below our position is surrounded on all sides by eight battalions of infantry. Without heavy field pieces, but adequately armed with rifles and machine guns. All cause for alarm, if such cause ever existed, is now entirely unjustified. The things, whatever they are, do not even venture to poke their heads above the pit. Well, I can see their hiding place plainly in the glare of the searchlights here. With all their reported resources, these creatures can scarcely stand up against heavy machine gun fire. Anyway, it's an interesting outing for the troops. Why, I can make out their camel uniforms crossing back and forth and back and forth in front of the lights. It looks almost like a real war. Well, there appears to be some slight smoke in the remaining cottonwood trees bordering the Owens River. Eh, it's probably just a fire started by campers. Well, we ought to see some action soon. One of the companies is deploying on the left flank. A quick thrust, it'll all be over. Now, wait a minute. I see something on top of the cylinder. No, it's nothing but a shadow. Now, the troops are on the edge of the highway. 7,000 armed men closing on an old metal tube. Wait, that, that wasn't a shadow. It, it's, it's something moving. Solid metal. It, it's kind of a shield-like affair rising up out of the cylinder. It's going higher and higher. What, it, it's standing on legs. It's actually rearing up on a sort of metal framework. Now it's reaching above the trees and the searchlights are on it. Oh no! Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I have a grave announcement to make. Incredible as it may seem, both the observation of science and the evidence of our eyes lead to the inescapable assumption that those strange beings who landed in the Owens Valley tonight are the vanguard of an invading army from the planet Mars. The battle which took place tonight at the Alabama Gates has ended in one of the most startling defeats ever suffered by any army in modern times. 7,000 men armed with rifles and machine guns pitted against a single fighting machine of the invaders from Mars. 129 survivors, the rest strewn over the battle area from Independence to Lone Pine, crushed and trampled to death under the metal feet of the monster, or burnt to cinders by its heat ray. The monster easily moved over the top of the Sierra to wreak havoc on the Central Valley, and in, as it, and in now in control of the middle section of California and has effectively cut the state through its center. Railroad tracks and freeways are torn and in tatters. Highways to the north, south and west are clogged with frantic human traffic. Police and, and army reserves are unable to control the mad flight. By the morning, the fugitives would have swelled Los Angeles, Fresno and even Reno and Tahoe 
to twice their normal population. At this time, martial law prevails throughout the middle of California. We now take you to Washington for a special broadcast on the national emergency. The Secretary of the Homeland Security. Citizens of the nation, I shall not try to conceal the gravity of the situation that confronts the country, nor the concern of your government in protecting the lives and property of its people. However, I wish to impress upon you, private citizens and public officials, all of you, the urgent need of calm and resourceful action. Fortunately, this formidable enemy is still confined to comparatively small area, and we may place our faith in the military forces to keep them there. In the meantime, placing our faith in God, we must continue the performances of our duties, each and every one of us, so that we may confront this destructive adversary with a nation united, courageous, and consecrated to the preservation of human supremacy on this earth, I thank you. You've just heard the Secretary of the Homeland Security speaking from Washington. Phone calls, text messages, Instagram <coughs> photos, emails, tweets, and social media posts too numerous to read are, are piling up in the studio here. Uh, we are informed the central portion of the California is blacked out from radio communications due to the effect of the heat ray upon power lines and electrical equipment. Here's some breaking news updated, posted on the LA Times website. Messages have been received from English, French, German scientific bodies offering assistance. Astronomers report continued gas outbursts at regular intervals on the planet Mars. Majority voice opinion the enemy will be reinforced by additional rocket machines. Attempts made to locate Professor Pearson of, Low of Big Pine, who has observed Martians at a close range. It's uh, feared he was lost in the recent battle. Uh, he, uh, Edward Air Force Base, California. Scouting planes report three Martian mach machines visible from treetops, moving southward towards Mojave, with population fleeing ahead of them. Heat ray not in use, although advancing at express train speed. Vaders pick their way carefully. They seem to be making conscious effort to avoid destruction of cities and countryside. However, they stop to uproot power lines, bridges, and railroad tracks. Their apparent objective is to crush resistance, paralyze communications, and disorganize human society. Here's another bulletin from Ridgecrest, California. ATV riders have stumbled on a second cylinder similar to the first embedded in the desert of the Owens Valley. Marine field pieces are proceeding from China Lake Naval Weapons Station to blow up a second invading unit before the cylinder can be opened and the fighting machine rigged. They're taking up position at the LA Aqueduct, siphoning Jawbone Canyon. Oh, here's another one, uh, another bulletin from Edward Air Force Base. Scouting planes report enemy machines now three in number increasing speed southward, kicking over houses and trees in their evident haste to form conjunction with their allies south of Owens Valley. Instagram photos show the machine east of San Diego, within 10 miles of the Pacific Ocean. Excuse me, here's, it's too many here. Uh, here's a, another emergency text message from Nellis Air Force Base, Las Vegas, Nevada. Fleet of Air Force bombers carrying heavy explosives flying north in pursuit of enemy. Scouting planes act as guides. They keep the speeding enemy in sight. Uh, just a moment, please. Ladies and gentlemen, We've established cell phone connection with the artillery line to give you direct reports in the zone of the advancing enemy. First, we take you to the battery of the 22nd Field Artillery, located in the Jawbone Canyon. 
Range, 32 meters. 32 meters. Projection, 39 degrees. 39 degrees. Fire! 140 yards to the right, sir. Shift range, 31 meters. 31 meters. Projection, 37 degrees. 37 degrees. Fire! A hit, sir. We got the tripod of one of them. They've stopped. The others are trying to repair it. Quick, get the range. Shift, 30 meters. 30 meters. Projection, 27 degrees. 27 degrees. Fire! Can't see the Shadowlands, sir. They're letting off a smoke. What is it? A black smoke, sir. Moving this way. It's lying close to the ground. It's moving fast. Put on gas mask. Get ready to fire. Shift. 24 meters. 24 meters. Projection. 24 degrees. 24 degrees. Fire. Still can't see, sir. The smoke's coming nearer. Get the right. Range. 23 meters. <laughs> 23 meters. <laughs> 23 meters. <laughs> Projection. 22 degrees. <laughs> 22 degrees. <laughs> Air Force Bomber V843 off Bakersfield, California. Lieutenant Voigt, Commander Nate Bombers. Report to uh, Commander Fairfax at Woods Air Force Base. This is Voight reporting to Commander Fairfax. Uh, enemy tripod machines now in sight, reinforced by three machines from the Owens Valley Cylinder, uh, six altogether. One machine already crippled, believed hit by shell from Army Gun in Jawbone Canyon. Guns now appear silent. A heavy black fog hanging close to the earth of extreme density and nature unknown. Uh, no sign of heat ray. Uh, enemy now turns uh, south on uh, Highway 395 toward Mojave. Uh, evident objective is uh, Los Angeles. They're pushing down a, a DWP high-tension power station. Uh, now the private machines are attacking the huge wind turbines in their path. The wind turbines are about as tall as the alien machines, but they're knocking over the turbines like they're stick toys. Machines are... They're close together now, we're, we're ready to attack. Planes, planes are circling now, ready to strike, ready to attack. Thousand yards and we'll be over the first. 800 yards, 600, 400, 200. There they go, the giant arm raised. Green flash, they're spraying us with flame. 2,000 feet. Uh, uh, engines are given out. <laughs> no, no chance to release bombs. Uh, only one thing left, to drop on them, plane and all. We're diving on the first one. Now the engine's gone. Hey. This is Bakersfield, California, calling Edwards Air Force Base. This is Bakersfield, California, calling Edwards Air Force Base. Come in, please. This is Edwards Air Force Base. Go ahead. Eight bombers in engagement with enemy tri-bomb machines over Mojave, California. All bombers incapacitated by heat ray. All crashed. 
one enemy machine destroyed. Enemy now discharging heavy black smoke in direction of... This is Silmar, California. This is Silmar, California. Warning, poisonous black smoke pouring down the 14 freeway reaches Hanson Dam. Gas masks useless. Urge population to move into open spaces. Automobiles use routes 7, 23, 24. Avoid congested areas. Smoke now spreading over the San Fernando Valley. 2X2L calling CQ. 2X2L calling CQ. 2X2L calling 8X3R. Come in, please. This is 8X3R coming back at 2X2L. House reception. House reception, Kay. Please. Where are you, 8X3R? What's the matter? Where are you? I'm speaking from the roof of the Metabolic Studio in downtown Los Angeles, California. Um, I'm sorry, uh, excuse me. Uh, I'm speaking you, to you from the roof of the Metabolic Studio at the Delta of Mount Whitney at the Metabolic Studio in Los Angeles, California. The bells you hear are ringing to warn the people to evacuate the city as the Martians approach. Estimated in the last two hours, three million people have moved out along the roads to the south. The 5 freeway is still open to all vehicles, but avoid the 15 north to Las Vegas. It's hopelessly jammed. All communication with Malibu and Beach Cities closed 10 minutes ago. Nothing, nothing is working except text messages. Text messages. What good are they now? We have no more defenses. Our army wiped out, artillery, air force, Everything wiped out. This may be the last broadcast, but we'll stay here to the end. People are holding services in the Cathedral of Our Lady of the Angels. Now I'm looking down the port of Los Angeles Harbor. All manner of boats just overloaded with fleeing population pulling out from the docks. Streets are all jammed. Noise in crowds like New Year's Eve in the city. Wait a minute, um, Facebook posts show the enemy now in sight above the Verdugo Mountains. Five, five great machines. First one is walking over the concrete LA River Channel. I can see it from here. It's crossing over the LA River Channel like a man stepping over a ditch. Another emergency broadcast system text message just came through. Martian cylinders are falling all over the country. Instagram posts show one in the Sacramento River, one in Lake Michigan, outside of Chicago, another one in the Mississippi River, one in Florida's Okefenokee Swamp. They seem to be timed and spaced. Now, the first machine reaches downtown. He stands watching, he's looking over the city. His steel cowlish head is even with the skyscrapers. He waits for the others. 
Now they're lifting their metal hands. This is the end now. Smoke comes out, black smoke drifting over the city. People in the streets see it now. They're running west towards the Pacific Ocean, thousands of them dropping in the streets like rats. Now the smoke's spreading faster. It's, it's reached downtown. People are still trying to run away from it, but it's no use. They're falling. They're falling like flies now. The smoke's crossing Dodger Stadium, Chinatown, the Broadway Bridge, Spring Street. It's 100 yards away. It's, it's 50 feet. Two X two L calling CQ. Two X two L calling CQ. Two X two L calling CQ. Los Angeles. Isn't there anyone on the air on the air? Isn't there anyone on the air? Isn't there anyone? Two X two L. If we make it through December Everything's gonna be alright, I know Wow, it's getting a little creepy on the other side of the microphone here at IOURadio.org and KPPG 89.9 FM Well, uh, while we let those folks catch their breath we'll see if we get any more call-in requests we can finish up our love em and leave em hour while we're broadcasting live from the old Double L Saloon in Lone Pine. Now, I haven't got any requests, so I'll just take the liberty to spin one of the best love songs in years. Yeah, it's an award winner. You know the one. You know it. Sure you do. Because we all have a girl crush. I've got a girl. Hate to admit it, but I got a heart rush. It's slowing down. I got it real bad. Want everything she has. Whoa, 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 folks. Uh, I do have a call in here, so why don't you uh, take a cold shower? Maybe go smoke a cigarette? Um, all right. So, caller, we are on the line. Hello. Love them and leave them. Give us a request. Uh, uh, yes, ma'am. Uh, yeah, you don't have to yell. I hear you. Okay, 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 okay. No, yeah, yeah. Okay, got it. Thanks. Well, her request was I quit being was that I should quit being a cynical, grumpy Grinch and get a little Christmas cheer. Mm -hmm. Well, lucky for her and you, I was just getting ready to send out some warm and fuzzy holiday greetings to our little towns here in the Owens Valley. So, once we get done with this big dose of <coughs> happy, joyous stuff, we'll get back to the creepy side of the studio and find out if the Martians take a long look at Los Angeles and declare it's Fresno with a beach and head for San Diego. <laughs> All right, so Merry Christmas to Bishop, the Paris of the West. 
except for the architecture, food, and culture. <laughs> but the mule capital of the world's secret is safe with us since we won't tell about those hundred towns in Missouri that also claim to be the mule capital of the West. <laughs> Our lips are sealed, oh Bishop, gateway to Wilkerson. <laughs> hey, all right, now, now let's, hello, Big Pine. Big piners, not whiners, piners. Home of glaciers, climbing legend Norman Clyde, and gateway, of course, to the Big Ears telescopes. So, you know, the piners are still a little wounded about losing their bid to steal the old county seat from Independence, but it turns out they might have lost the battle, but they've won the war because they are now home to the brand spanking new Inyo County Animal Shelter. <laughs> yeah, which we like. And that, that's, that's far more useful than a courthouse. <laughs> so now we've we got to have a little shout out to Independence here, the potluck capital of the world, where the men are proud of their deviled egg recipes, the women run the whole place by wearing aprons, and the children will just die if they have to eat another three bean casserole or deviled eggs or jello with canned fruit. But the gateway to Oenyo will have none of it, you little brats. In 20 years, those potlucks will be memories. <clears throat> yeah, now since we're in Lone Pine, everyone is loving life in Lone Pine. The gateway to Mount Whitney, where the motto is, lead, follow, or get the hell out of the way. <laughs> of course, no one is sure if the whole herd is going in the right direction. But by God, they're going and going in a hurry. So, uh, you know, okay, that was a little harsh, sorry. So to prove that I really do have the old holiday spirit, I'm not going to say a negative thing about Keeler or Darwin. <laughs> nope, not going to do it. They are wonderful places. Go visit. Take a map. A GPS. Water and food. An emergency flare wouldn't hurt you, and maybe a homing pigeon could come in handy, too. Okay, now was that happy enough for you? I think so. Now just sit tight a second while I go turn off the phones. We don't want any more calls. The IOU players would like to invite everyone to take a moment during this holiday season to reflect on some recent events and how fortunate we all are be enjoying an evening of fun with friends and family in a vibrant, caring community. Have a joyous holiday season. Thank you. You are listening to IOURadio.org on the internet and broadcasting live on KPPG 89.9 FM from Lone Pine, California. We now return you to the IOU Theater's adaptation of the classic drama, The War of the Worlds, which was first dramatized by Orson Welles and the Mercury Theater on the Air from the original novel by H.G. Wells. As I set down these notes on paper, I'm obsessed by the thought that I might be the last living man on earth. I've been hiding in this empty house near the Alabama gates, small island of daylight cut off by the black smoke from the rest of the world. All that happened before the arrival of these monstrous creatures 
You know, seems part of another life. A life that has no continuity with the present furtive existence of the lonely derelict who pencils these words on the back of some astronomical notes bearing the signature of Richard Pearson. I look down at my blackened hands, my torn shoes, my tattered clothes, and I try to connect them with the professor who lived at Pasadena and who on the night of December 13th glimpsed through his telescope an orange splash of light on a distant planet. My wife, my colleagues, my students, my books, my observatory, my world, where are they? Did they ever exist? Am I Richard Pearson? What day is it? Do days exist without calendars? Does time pass when there are no human hands left to wind the clocks? In writing down this daily life, I shall tell myself I preserve human history between the dark covers of this little book that was meant to record the movements of the stars. But to write, I must live. To live, I must eat. I find moldy bread in the kitchen and an orange not too spoiled to swallow. I keep watch at the window. From time to time, I catch sight of a Martian above the black smoke. The smoke still holds the house in its black coil. But at length, there's a hissing sound, and suddenly I see a Martian mounted on his machine, spraying the air with a jet of steam as if to dissipate the smoke. I watch in a corner as his huge metal legs nearly brush against the house. Exhausted by terror, I fall asleep. It's morning. Morning. Sun streams in the window. The black cloud of gas is lifted and the scorched meadows to the north look as though a black snowstorm has passed over them. I venture out from the house. I make my way to a road, <laughs> no traffic. Here and there, a wrecked car, baggage overturned, a blackened skeleton. I push on south. For some reason, <laughs> for some reason I feel safer trailing these monsters than running away from them. And I keep a careful watch. I've seen the Martians feed. Should one of their machines appear over the top of trees, I'm ready to fling myself flat on the earth. For two days, I wander in a vague southerly direction through a desolate world. And finally, I notice, I notice another living creature, a small red squirrel in an oak tree. I stare at him in wonder, and he stares back at me. I believe at that moment the animal and I share the same human emotion, the joy of finding another living being. I push on south. I find dead cows in a brackish field beyond the charred ruins of a dairy. The silo of the dairies remains standing guard over the wasteland like a, like a lighthouse deserted by the sea. Astride the silo perches a weathercock. The arrow points north, <laughs> north. Next day, I came to a city vaguely familiar in its contours, yet its, its buildings strangely dwarfed and leveled off as if a giant had sliced off its highest towers with a capricious sweep of his hand. Then I reached the outskirts of the city and found it undemolished, but humbled by some whim of the advancing Martians. Uh, 
Presently, with an odd feeling of being watched, I, I caught sight of something crouching in the doorway. I made a step towards it, and it rose up and became a man. A man armed with a large knife. Stop! Where'd you come from? <laughs> I come from, uh, I come from many places. A long time ago, from the, from the Caltech Owens Valley Radio Observatory. Owens Valley Radio Observatory, huh? That's near Alabama Gates. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Alabama Gates. <laughs> There's no food here. This is my country. All this end of town down to the Pacific Ocean. There's only food for one. Which way are you going? I, I don't know. I, I guess I'm looking for people or... Um, have you seen any Martians? Nah. They've gone over to Beverly Hills. At night, the sky's alive with their lights, just as if people were still living in it. By daylight, you can't even see them. Well, then, it's all over with humanity, stranger. There's still you and I. There's two of us left. They got themselves in solid, you see. They wrecked the greatest country in the world. They've only lost one machine. There isn't anything to do. We're done. We're lit. Where were you? You're in uniform. Yeah. What's left of it? I was in the National Guard. Wasn't any war any more than there was war between men and ants. <laughs> and we are eatable ants. I found that out. Oh, yeah. And pretty soon, they'll begin catching us systematically and storing us in cages and things. Well, but if that's so, then what is there to live for? Life. That's what. I want to live. Yeah, and so do you. We're not going to be exterminated. I don't mean to be caught either and tamed and fattened and bred like a cow. What are you going to do? I'm going on, right under their feet. You see, I got a plan. We men as men are finished. We don't know enough. We got to learn plenty before we've got a chance. And we've got to live and keep free while we learn, you see? I've thought it all out, you see? Tell me the rest. Well, it isn't all of us that were made for wild beasts, and that's what it's got to be. That's why I watched you. All these little office workers that used to live in these houses, they'd be no good. They haven't any stuff to them. I've seen hundreds of them running wild to catch a commuter train in the morning for fear they'd get canned if they didn't, and running back at night after after work, and just getting time for dinner. And on Sundays, worried about the hereafter. The marchers will be a godsend for those guys. Nice roomy cages, good food, careful breeding, no worries. After a week or so chasing about the fields on empty stomachs, they'd come and be glad to be caught. You've thought this all out, haven't you? You bet I have, and that isn't all. These Martians will make pets of some of them, some of them, training them to do tricks. Who knows? Get sentimental over the pet boy who grew up and had to be killed. And some, maybe just some, they'll train to hunt us. No. 
Yes, that's they, impossible. Yes, they will. No. There's men who'll do it gladly. Why, if one in, of them ever comes after me, why? In I... the meantime, you and I and others like us, where are we to live when the Martians own the Earth? I've got it all figured out. We'll live underground. I've been thinking about the storm drains. Under Los Angeles are miles and miles of them. The main ones are big enough for anybody. Then there are cellars, vaults, and underground storerooms. You're beginning to see, huh? We'll get a bunch of strong men together. No weak ones. They're rubbish. They're out. And you meant me to go? Well, I gave you a chance, didn't I? We won't quarrel about that. Go on. We've got to make safe places for us to stay in, you see? And get all the books we can. Science books. That's where men like you come in, you see? We'll raid the museums. We'll even spy on the Martians. It may not be so much we have to learn. Just imagine this. Four or five of those own fighting machines suddenly start off. Heat rays right and left. And not a Martian in them. Not a Martian in them. But men, men who have learned how they work. Gee, imagine having one of them lovely things with its heat ray wide and free. We'd turn it on Martians. We'd turn it on men. We'd bring everybody down to their knees. And that's your plan. You, you and me, and a few more of us, we'd own the world. I see. Say, what's the matter? Where are you going? Not to your world. Goodbye, stranger. After parting with the stranger, I came at last to the Santa Monica Freeway. I traveled that silent freeway, anxious to know the fate of the beach city on the other side of the 405. Cautiously, I made my way up the 10. I reached the Cloverfield exit, and there again were black powder and several bodies, and an evil, ominous smell from the gratings of the Expo Rail line. I wandered up through Olympic and Broadway, and I stood alone on the Third Street Promenade. There I caught sight of a lean dog running down Wilshire with a piece of dark brown meat in his jaws, a pack of starving mongrels at his heels. He made a wide circle around me as though he feared I might prove a fresh competitor. I turned and walked east up Montana Avenue in the direction of that strange powder past silent shop windows displaying their mute wares to empty sidewalks. Then up Santa Monica Boulevard past the Westfield Pavilion and the Beverly Hilton, silent, dark. Near the abandoned Ace Gallery, I noticed models of 2016 Tesla cars in the showrooms facing empty streets. I turned and made my way back to the sea. From the top of the VA hospital on Wilshire, I watched a flock of black birds circling in the sky. I hurried on. Suddenly, I caught sight of the hood of a Martian machine standing somewhere near Royce Hall at UCLA, gleaming in the late afternoon sun. <laughs> An insane idea. I rushed recklessly down to San Vicente to Ocean Avenue and into Palisades Park. I climbed the bluffs above PCH, and from there I could see, standing in a silent row in front of the Ferris wheel on the Santa Monica Pier, 19 of those great metal titans, their cowls empty, their great steel arms hanging listlessly by their sides. 
I looked in vain for the monsters that inhabit those machines when suddenly my eyes were attracted to the immense flock of black birds that hovered directly above me. They circled to the ground, and there before my eyes, stark and silent, lay the Martians with the hungry birds pecking and tearing brown shreds of flesh from their dead bodies. Later, when their bodies were examined in the laboratories, biologists discovered some, some rather intriguing facts about the invaders, why they came here, and what killed them. The alien bodies were extremely dehydrated. Apparently, they needed huge amounts of water to survive, and more important, to breed. Since the water on Mars had disappeared, they invaded Earth. Yes, it seems those those actually were water-carrying canals on Mars. And that also explains why they landed near our aqueduct, the Mississippi River, and the Great Lakes. But time ran out on them. Before they could use the Earth's water, they were killed by millions of little bursts of invisible microwaves. No, the microwaves were not shot by Martians nor airplanes. They were the little bursts of energy that transmit text messages. <laughs> It seems the frequency of those text messages eventually scrambled the machine circuits, which electrocuted the Martians and burned out their machines. Hard to believe, but texts and tweets have saved mankind from total annihilation. Before the cylinder fell, there was a general perception that through all the deep of space, no life existed beyond the petty surface of our minute sphere. But now we see further. Dim and wonderful is the vision I have conjured up in my mind of life spreading slowly from this little seedbed of the solar system throughout the inanimate vastness of sidereal space. But that is a remote dream. It may be that the destruction of the Martians is only a reprieve to them and not to us as the future ordained, perhaps. Ah, strange it now seems to sit in my peaceful study at Caltech writing down this last chapter of the record begun at a stretch of pasture at the Alabama gates. Strange to see from my window the university spires dim and blue through an April haze. Strange to watch children playing in the streets. Strange to see young people strolling on the green where the new spring grass heals the last black scars of a bruised earth. Strange to watch the sightseers enter the museum where the dissembled parts of a Martian machine are kept on public view. Strange when I recall the time when I first saw it, bright and clean-cut, hard and silent, under the dawn of that last great day. This is Orson Welles, ladies and gentlemen, out of character to assure you that the War of the Worlds has no further significance than as the scary little Sunday evening entertainment it was intended to be. And although the IOU theater players seem to deeply enjoy sending waves of poisonous gas and bursts of alien death rays into the heart of Lady L.A., we can guarantee you, my lady, that it was all in good fun. In fact, to prove that there are no hard feelings, we are more than happy to invite Lady L.A. to take a little jaunt up Highway 395 and join us here in our Owens Valley Valhalla. Of course, 
we will insist she bring a peace offering, namely a couple of trucks filled with tasty L.A. Owens River water. Yeah. <laughs> rest assured, rest assured that when the glistening, glamorous Lady L.A. shows up in our dusty little cow town, we will make her feel right at home since we will be wearing shocking pink lipstick, fishnet stockings, and flame red bustier. She'll think she has a twin. <laughs> Taking the initiative for once in our life, we will march right up to Lady L.A. and plant a big, wet, watery kiss on her luscious lips and whisper into her ear, only after the Owens Valley splashed into your life were you transformed from a dusty little tramp into a beauty queen. So, Lady L.A., you're welcome. <laughs> to which she would, of course, reply, I owe you. Ah, the dream never dies, does it? But back in the real world, we're several shades of gray beyond fitting into our fancy big city underwear. So we'll settle for the next best thing, annihilating Los Angeles before your very ears and utterly destroying the Los Angeles aqueduct in the process. You will be relieved, I hope, to learn that we didn't mean it and both institutions are still open for business. So, now, before we sign off for the night, we'd like to share a couple of hard-earned lessons. First, if your doorbell rings and you open it to find none other than William and Holland standing there asking for a little water to get through the drought, while wearing nothing but a pair of tidy whities and a gleam in his eye, do not invite him in. I repeat, do not invite him in. Just trust us on this one, send him away. And finally, if your doorbell rings and no one's there, that was not Mulholland's ghost or Martian. <laughs> that was the IOU theater. <laughs> IE Radio and its affiliated stations, coast to coast, have brought you the War of the Worlds by H.G. Wells as part of its 2015-2016 Win to Stop series of dramatic radio plays featuring the Own Valley content and the IU players and musicians on the air. This is IU Radio live at 89.9 FM in Lone Pine and on the IOURadio.org. Thank you. Now I believe we're going to have a little song just for fun. Feel free to sing along. Please sing along. We shall overcome. <laughs>
We shall overcome.